Well, hi and welcome everybody to another Woman in Safety live. We're having another live show and I'm here again with my friend, Emma Deep. Emma Deep, who do we have today? Hey everyone, good morning, good morning or good afternoon, depending where you guys are. Um, this is Stacy Glanville, a really good friend of mine, fellow safety professional. Uh, so Stacy uh, has over nine years experience, mostly in BC, working in the construction industry as a safety professional. Um, she has gained her experience through a variety of construction industries, such as oil field, residential and commercial construction. Um, her positions have ranged from being a medic to a first aid instructor, safety officer, to a field supervisor and a construction site supervisor. She's currently a safety manager with Banmar. Uh, when Stacy isn't busy coordinating health and safety, she can be found on her motorcycle, which I can attest to because we ride together, <laughs> or on a beach somewhere in Mexico uh, if it isn't riding season. So welcome, everybody. Thank you. Welcome and thank you for joining us, Stacy. This is really great. You know, I wanted to understand a little bit about what was your experience coming into the field as a health and safety professional and back and when was that if you could remind us? So health and safety started uh, around, well, I was on a couple of jobs committees, did a little bit of first aid stuff, uh, but my passion for safety really sparked when I got into residential construction. Uh, and I was actually hired because the company had gotten in a little bit of trouble with WorkSafe for not having their safety stuff on point. Um, and I came from being a stay-at-home mom. I'd had taken a few years off to have my boys, and it was time to get back to work. And with my first aid experience, um, I actually approached the builder that built my home because uh, they had a long project and they were they were still building. And so they brought me on to sort of clean up their mess with safety. But it was a really interesting start because I actually didn't have support for safety. They had to put someone in place because that's what WorkSafe told them to do. Um, and so I started with safety, basically with like an uphill challenge of, you know, how to win over the trades without the support of the employer. Um, and it, it actually, it was it was quite an experience and I learned a lot from it. And I, I would never take it back because I think it molded me. And that's what started my passion with safety. I actually had the opportunity. So they put me into safety got a few things going with that. And then they actually had me in as a junior uh, site superintendent on uh, a 36 unit townhome complex. <laughs> and so they had a superintendent at another job site, a bigger one, and then they had me. And so I'd actually thought, oh, you know, maybe I wanted to get into being a superintendent and I got a good taste of it. And, and what I would consider to be um, a lot of babysitting <laughs> of trades. And that really woke me up to my passion for safety. I, I changed my mind and wanted to go back that way. Um, and so I actually, what my goal used to be was to be a safety officer or prevention officer for WorkSafe BC. And I actually got into the testing and I did really well on the critical thinking exam, but I failed the, the industry knowledge because all of the questions were based around commercial construction. And I just simply didn't have the experience. The only concrete I'd ever done was for a sidewalk so, or a driveway. And so I actually went and I looked for a position with a commercial company, which is what, what I got into now. But I ended up falling in love with the company so much and I got promoted quite quickly. And so this is this is where I'm happy to be at. And so I actually abandoned the idea of going to work safe. Um, and now instead I work alongside them. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to really kind of drill into, you were discussing that when you started in, in the residential construction, yeah. that it was an uphill with the, the trades, the, the gentlemen that worked there. Can you maybe share with our audience a little bit about the challenges and how you overcome them? Yeah, so part of that actually goes back to the oil field days, um, just, you know, coming on as a woman on a job site. And, you know, I've found that initially, I usually kind of keep my mouth shut a little bit, see what's going on, get a read for the team that I'm working with. And, you know, men really don't respect women on the job site if they come in and they just start hollering and being basically a pain in the ass, right? So what's worked for me is getting a read of what's going on. Obviously, if there's something critical, you need to intervene and, and that's a non-negotiable. Uh, but gaining respect by having the right attitude, working with the guys, you know, there are certain hard lines you have to enforce because obviously you're trying to protect your employer and keep everybody safe to go home at night. But then there's other things that you can be a little more flexible with and work with them. And I've found that by coming in, you know, kind of, I guess the word maybe gently and taking the time to gain the respect and then they end up working with you way more seamlessly because they go, oh, okay, you know, oh, and, and making suggestions for them, helping them out along the way. Hey, you know, I see you're doing this. We can't do that. How about we do this? And, and that's really worked really well for me. So there's, there's definitely a finesse that's involved and safety people, male and female, you can get a bad rap and have conflict quite quickly if you don't use tools <laughs> with your behavior and your presentation and, you know, not speaking out of turn um, making sure you know what you're talking about before you talk about it. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was don't ever commit to or say you know something unless you absolutely know it. You, you know, there's ways around it. You can say that, you know, I can't recall for sure. I think I know, but I need to make sure. Let me look into it and get back to you. Because the worst thing you can do as a safety person is blow your credibility. The minute you start talking out of turn and tell them they're doing something they shouldn't be doing and you're right and they're wrong, but you're actually wrong it's kind of game over from there. It's, it's hard to recover from that. Um, so we agree with that. Did you have any um, like male counterparts or male allies or like anybody that like would kind of stick up for you or be there for you or support you or just back you up? Yeah. So, so in with the residential construction, so the owner of the company, he was very not safety oriented. It was get the job done. No time for that. Uh, you know, put the people in place because we have to, because we've been told we have to, but not really support them. But then I had, so the superintendent, I would consider him kind of like an uncle. And like I said, that builder built my home and they were in my complex for four years. So I got to know the, the superintendent very well. Uh, and I would consider him basically like an uncle to me. And so he would be on another job site. And so we were back and forth on the phone all day. He would, you know, give me the ropes on what to look for. And I would, you know, any concerns I would bring to him, you know, even to this day, we go for Christmas lunch every year together. Um, and so it really, it molded like a family type relationship. And yeah, he definitely stuck up for me. He would, uh, you know, in certain situations, he would step in and say, well, no, I, I don't think you see the whole picture or, um, you know, she did her best. You know, you, I got set up a lot to take the fall, I would say, which was okay in the long run because it, it builds a thicker skin. And the, I learned a lot because you were safety or because you were a woman. Uh, both actually. 
Okay. Right. And so, but the other problem was, was that, so they had me in the safety role, but then they had me in the site supervisor role and you can't effectively do both of those roles. So you're spread too thin things, you know, but at the same time, being a woman and I'll, I'll say I've got ADHD. And so it's actually a superpower if you know how to harness it. So I can have a lot of things going on all at the same time. Um, and so, you know, those hard situations I've, for me personally have, or what has caused me to grow the most. You know, it's a sink or swim thing, right? You get thrown into it and, you know, being a fighter, being a survivor, you know, I was telling Tamara earlier, I moved out at 15, right? So I've been kind of cutting my own trail for a long time. And so when I've been, you know, given these opportunities, I take all the opportunities, I take all the training, you know, anytime somebody wants to invest their time and money into me, I'm happy to take courses. Um, and so it's just been, yeah, just push through it, right? You you don't know how strong you are when you don't have a choice. You just keep going. And so those tough times, I remember at the time, you know, it was it can be very discouraging because you're doing your best because you want to do a good job, but you're not getting the support that you need. It's an uphill battle. Uh, but at the end of the day, you also have to kind of step back and go, you know what? I can only do what I can do. Take a little bit of pressure off yourself. Work with the tools that you've got. Shake it off at the end of the day and start fresh the next day, you know? And that has worked very well for me. Like I've taken every opportunity that's come my way and every door that opens is better than the one that I just passed through. So it's awesome. Now we have some listeners who have just joined us. So can you put in context what year we're talking about here? Because we're talking about the past right now. So that would have been right around probably 2015 with residential construction. Um, and I was in there for probably three years. Uh, no, actually, you know what? Probably four or five years. And then I made the switch over to, well, that's when I was saying I wanted to chase my dreams to be a prevention officer for WorkSafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting through some of those stepping stones, needing the commercial experience, that's when I started looking for a commercial job and I applied to a handful. Um, and then I got an interview with the Vanmar job. And so I actually started in the field as a safety officer um, and that was perfect because I needed, I wanted to get on the jobs, you know, where they had the big concrete pours and learn things like that. But actually it turned out the first building I was put on was lumber. So we had a concrete parkade. Huh. And so it was a lumber building. And then the safety manager at the time, um, you know, I came on kind of full force and, you know, was, I guess, pushing him and prodding him for certain things I needed to do my job. And then uh, he decided to make a career change. And, and I, within six months was promoted to the safety manager position. And so I actually started out in the field on a site, trying to manage the rest of the sites. And I actually developed the position into, uh, you know, a full-time manager position where I work out of the head office and now I visit the job sites um, and take care of all of our safety coordinators, whether it's, you know, sometimes we have as little as six sites, as many as 12 sites. Um, And I really enjoy it because there's a lot of variety there. I've got a lot of people calling me every day looking for help on how to figure things out. Um, you know, I have a really great team of people and that actually comes from the employer. So going from the residential situation where I Stacey, hi, yeah. I just wanted to kind of reel this back for a moment yeah. because you said some really interesting things and I don't want to lose that, but we'll go sure. back into this in a little bit. So yeah. I want to bring us back into time because yeah. you, you talked about the superintendent being like an uncle. 
yeah. a mentor, like yeah. a family. Yeah. And so one of the things that we really wanted to, to get to learn about was how did this, these type of relationships help define you and shape you to the professional that you are now? So can you help? Because mentoring is what a lot of people would like to get into. And it's so great. Could you share a bit about that relationship for us? Yeah, so I would say, and get get me back on track if I go off track, but so I would say what that relationship did for me, first of all, it gave me knowledge where I didn't have as much, right? Like I had that support system where I had somebody to bounce things off of that would keep me going in the right direction. So obviously there was trust there. Um, and then that gives you the confidence that you're lacking, right? And, you know, because I talked about there were some discouraging parts. So being caught between you know, the owner who was not interested, the trades who you need to win over, and then having the support system in the middle uh, who backed me up. It, it, it gives you the energy, I guess you would say, to keep pushing, to keep working hard because somebody believes in you and somebody wants to see you shine and is giving you everything they've got so that you can succeed and do well. So being cared about, being cared about is so important, I find. You know, we all have to get the job done and we have our quotas and we need to, you know, hit these deadlines. But to be valued is so encouraging and gives you so much more confidence. And had I not had that person behind me, giving me the tools and giving me, you know, I guess, I don't know if I should say the, the emotional support. You know, things might have turned out a little bit differently for me. I'm, I'm pretty bold in type A, so I would have taken my licks and keep going most likely. Uh, but that made a huge difference. And that person, like I value him so much. And every year when we go for lunch, I tell him, you know, you gave me opportunity because I, I was at home with my kids for six years, I think it was. And he gave me that opportunity because he saw some true grit in me that he thought could shine. And, you know, that that opportunity has done so much for my career path. And I'll forever be grateful to him forever. What's his name? Joe Carnavalli. Do you know him? Oh, he's a great person. Yeah. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Um, if you could go back in time, what would you say to your younger self? Uh, you know what? What I would say was be to focus on myself. Focus more on me. Take care of me. And taking care of yourself comes down to health and fitness. That's a huge thing, right? Uh, proper sleep because <laughs> uh, you know I'm kind of a go 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 burn the candle at both ends and I always make it through I, I seem to do my best work under pressure <laughs> uh, but that's what I would do as I would worry less about things going on around me and more about what's going on with myself um, you know take care of myself that's that's what I would not that I didn't take care of myself but take more time you know it's yeah. not selfish to worry about your own needs right Absolutely. So many Agreed. moving parts in life and it's like to slow down and just make sure that you got your stuff sorted out. You're organized. You know, you're not pressed for time. Um, you're well rested. You're eating proper food. All those things make everything fire on a higher level. And so if I could go back and, and change something, that's what I would change. Yeah. Although I'm very happy with where I've come to. So I don't know that I change anything. That's so awesome. Uh, we have a question from LinkedIn. So Fatima says, Hey, Stacy, have you ever been in a situation where your managers didn't believe in you or value you? If so, how did you 
whoops, hang on. How did you overcome this and this situational PTSD that can come along with a situation like this? So has there ever been a time where like you didn't have the support of leadership or upper management or they didn't believe in you? And then how did you overcome this? So one example I could think of would be back to the residential job site. And um, there was a framing contractor and he was an older guy and he really did not appreciate having a younger female give him instructions when there were things that went wrong on the job site. And so, you know, I would have the owner giving me instruction, do, do it this way, have him do this, make this correction, you know, very matter of fact. And I'm like, okay, so I got, my task and then trying to take this to, to this, uh, I guess he would, yeah, he was the owner. So foreman owner, whatever. And he ended up actually calling me some pretty nasty names on repeat over and over. He tried to start rumors across the job site. Um, the, the good part about the rumors was he made them up about everybody. So all the people that he made them up about knew, well, that didn't happen with me. So obviously it didn't help. <laughs> and it was tough. Like, and so I remember being, you know, I, I was standing there and this man is just, we're standing in the sunshine on the driveway and he's calling me some pretty ugly names that had nothing to do with anything that was actually happening in the situation. You know, I was correcting him because he, he'd made a mistake. He'd read the plans wrong. Something was built wrong. So obviously it cost him money and time to fix it. And all I'm doing is the messenger really, because you know, the owners have said, this is not what we want. This is what needs to happen. And you know, the owner did not support me. He did not, tell this man, you can't speak to her this way. You know, I could have probably taken that and blown it up into something bigger and made it into a battle and brought in work safe or what have you. But I worked through it. I kept my thick skin. I let as much of it bounce off of me as I could, because obviously you can read this person's character. This is a him problem, not a me problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I basically, I guess what I did was I, I didn't react probably the way that he wanted me to. And in the long run, I bumped into him down the road uh, in public somewhere and he actually gave me a hug and apologized and basically owned that he was a total jerk and that was not the right way to treat me. Um, and I felt really good about that because that person didn't get me to engage. He didn't cause, I didn't react in a bad way to reduce myself or my behavior. You know, I just kind of took it on the chin and kept going. Yeah. It was awful at the time, but that, that kind of stuff happens, right? And in this industry, you, yeah. you have to have a bit of a thick skin. You know, you have to separate emotions from your professionalism and yeah. just keep going. And sometimes people are wrong and there's no point in fighting it. Just keep going. Do your best. Try, try to carry on unscathed and not let them cause you to react in a way that you won't be proud of later, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And unfortunately, you know, the what you're sharing is not unusual. I've yeah. heard that from a lot of women. I've also gone through that myself. I yeah. had an incident where I could foresee a fire occurring in a department asking management and, and one guy in the middle of trying to talk to him, he pretended he'd have a phone call in front oh. of other employees. So he, yeah. he would pick up his phone and go, Oh, I have a phone call. I got to go. Well, they had a fire, you know, and then uh, when the regional manager, at, they all said, well, Tamara should have looked after it. And when he, he asked me, I had actually emails, et cetera, addressing this and said, well, here you go. This is my experience. So, you know, but it's tough. 
it is tough for one. Um, when people treat you that way, you, you start to self-doubt whether or not you've got what it takes to, yeah. to do the job. Right. Yep. So help our audience and, and, and those of us out here who are struggling, what did you do inside yourself to kind of keep pushing forward? Because it's hard. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, it can be hard. So, well, so similar to what I was saying is that to try and separate that, to not take it personally. Right. So even though this person is saying bad things to me, bad things about me, trying to take away my credibility and defame my character. Uh, I had to step back and not take it personally um, because I knew inside of myself that he's wrong. I know that this isn't right. I knew why he was behaving the way that he was doing. You know, I mean, this is a grown man that's probably 20 years my senior that's acting like a little kid having a fit and using really gross words at the same time. Right. So to step back and separate, like that's, I think what makes the difference is not taking that attack personally and then reacting from that. Right. And so, it is tough at the time to do that, but then when you see it come full circle later and work out and everybody respects you more and they see him for what he is, the it's sort of, you know, the silver lining is in that, right? Because he looks silly. And, uh, you know, if you're a passionate person and you have to be, you know, type A passionate to be in this field to want to fight through these things, sometimes it can be hard not to knee jerk and, and give back. Cause there's a lot that I could have said back to him that would have been the truth, <laughs> but I didn't, I, I let him make himself look silly uh, and inappropriate and irrational. I didn't take it personally. That's the biggest thing is to not take things personally. I find that, you know, as women, sometimes we can get that way. We're emotional creatures. You know, we're very compassionate. We have a lot of empathy, um, you know, and we take things to heart a lot well, for me, because I work from my, you know, I'm, I'm from the heart very much. And so when you encounter people that, that treat you poorly, you know, it can, it can sting because that's not how you, you're, you're shocked because that's not the way you treat other people. Uh, but it, it's the stepping back, kind of like removing yourself, seeing it for what it is and not reacting. And then when you watch it go full circle, it's like, you kind of get your aha moment. Like that's, you know, makes you proud of yourself for, for not responding the way that maybe the first thought in your mind wanted to go. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I can reflect on my own experience when I was being, when I was working up in Fort McMurray, a lot of times it's like, does this person even warrant your time? And yeah. always look at the credibility of the source because yeah. at the end of the day, I would work with these men on the job site and then I would see them later on in camp so it's like you can't even escape you can't even and just being very mindful and tactful and like having that higher emotional intelligence being yep. able to not take it take it personally and then separate the situation from the person and uh yeah that's awesome thanks Stacey yeah yeah no you're right too because I've done the camp thing before and that yeah. also takes a little bit of finesse because it's a it's a very much male dominated uh well it's changing now over the years but there there's obviously there's a lot more men out there there's a lot of physical jobs that are harder that men are just often better cut out for right yeah and so you're right because you know when you're out in the field that's one thing but then you go back to camp and everybody's there and you're having dinner together and knowing when to kind of put those boundaries up because things can get kind of slippery pretty fast if you don't right and so yeah. i'd say there's been times when i've 
you know, excused myself or had dinner on my own or, or taken it to go because you can read, reading the play is really important yeah. uh, to kind of see what's going on, get a read of the characters and, and know where it's a safer environment that you can kind of relax a little bit or stay on your guard and keep your boundaries up and make the right choices. Excuse yourself sometimes because you don't need to get, you can tell when, what, what, what energy is going to happen and what kind of dialogue and interaction you're going to have. And sometimes it's best to just politely excuse yourself, keep going and kind of stay out of it. No, so absolutely. And you have to choose, like you're saying, where are you going to put your energy, right? You yep. only have so much energy that you can put out into the world. Yep. And is it going to be a positive place or is it going to be draining and negative? Yep. And it's, it's interesting because that's how I actually got on to LinkedIn was because oh. I was in such a toxic situation um, in my uh, working relationship as a health and safety professional, and I didn't have the supports. And so somebody said, well, you know, check out LinkedIn, because there's a lot of different groups. And so that's where I met my first mentor, Mark Lovelace, who is actually responsible for helping to set up um, EHS professionals group way back, you know. But the thing is, is that it's, it's collecting those people around you who are positive supports, collecting your allies, both women and men. So yeah. do you do anything in that realm of having networks of supports? Uh, you know what? I I have friends in industry for sure. Hammond Deep would be one of them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know what? I, I do have a few friends uh, with Works APC. And so, you know, sometimes bouncing things off of them can help uh, picking their brain from their experiences, uh, learning more about their field for things that you might be interested in expanding upon. Um, and then also I'm actually on the other side of that where, you know, right now I've got six safety coordinators in the field. And I would say that I put my time and energy into being an ally for them, a support system for them, uh, an encouraging uh, leader that gives them the tools that they need to make the, the decisions that they need to make. And then the backup. So they have the confidence to make those decisions. Uh, and that's something, you know, it's super rewarding for me when, you know, one of the people in the field will say to me, thank you so much. You, you don't. And I'm like, and they say, you don't know how much it means. And I'm like, I do know how much it means because I've had that before. And it pleasures me so much to, to be able to do that for other people, you know, to be, take the time to make their day better, to give them the tools they need, the confidence they need. And it, it can be both challenging, honestly, for men and women in safety, because those people out there that just want to get the job done, they don't want to take the time to do what they need to do that you're asking them to do. You know, I found in the oil field, you know, when there was male medics, they got a really hard time from the male men working on the rigs. That's a girl's job, you know. So safety in general can be difficult no matter what gender you are because there's pushback. And it really, like I was saying, it takes that personality to take a little bit of time to win respect from everybody that you're working with so that they have confidence in you, that you're not just there to ruin the day for them, that yes, you have the rules to uphold and there are some non-negotiables that it just is what it is or we got to stop until it is what it is. But then also being able to work with them and be flexible in the areas where there is a little bit of flexibility that can go a million miles by not being super rigid. I mean, you know. Yeah, totally. For sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess I want to drill down a little bit different. We've talked about history. We've come to talk about the present a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But if you were to talk about like how when you started safety and net where you are now presently, how is the the male allies in the workforce working with you now? Are you getting the same respect that the um, male health and safety professionals are getting as easily? So what I would say about that, so the decisions I've made to get me to where I am and the choice to join the company that offered me an opportunity, I am couldn't not be happier. I couldn't be more supported. I couldn't be more respected. Um, the company that I work for is extremely professional. They're very well organized. Uh, they're very respectful. You know, I work with a majority of males, uh, both in the office and on the field. And I've never had one, and even from the trades, because our company hires reputable trades and we have a safety culture. We have morals in our company. You know, we have code of conduct where that type of behavior simply is not acceptable, will not be tolerated, will be removed, will be corrected. Whatever has to happen, the support is there. Um, I've, I've, I can't say enough about how, how amazing from where I started to where I am now. And that really comes from the top down from my company. You know, the owner genuinely cares about all of the employees. You know, they, they take the time and money to hire reputable trades that behave very well on our job sites. And I've never actually had an incident in the, in the over three years I've been with this company. There's not been, I've not been made to feel uncomfortable once by anybody within the company, especially, but also on the job sites. I mean, yeah, I've, you can tell if someone's checking you out or they're kind of trying to chit chat a little bit, but you know, I just keep the lines professional, don't open those opportunities, cut it off where you need to keep moving. Um, and the respect is 1000% been there. It's, it's an amazing, it's amazing, you know, cause you hear horror stories and things right about what, some people have been through out there, but absolutely not. I'm, this has come from the bottom to the top. No, absolutely. And, you know, and one of the things that I, at least looking back in history and where we are presently today, which is so wonderful. I'm so glad that we're actually coming to this place is that yeah. um, we have support when we're, we're not in a healthy environment and it is toxic, and we talk to people about it, before you would get the, well, just suck it up, at least you have a job, it's, you know, you're so lucky. Whereas now the conversation is absolutely not, you spend so much time at work, it needs to be a healthy environment. So where we've come from the past to where we are now is just light years like mindset. So that's really good. And, and I also, you know, you choose, look at the companies you're going to work at, like you did. And I made a very solid choice working at Safeopedia because I'll say it, you can't get better bosses and more awesome people than Jamie Young and Scott Cuthbert. You just, they're not out there. I've got them. They're mine, you know, (laughs) but, um, you know, to be able to say that, that tells you that we've really come a long way. Emma, yep. what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you need to have that positive environment, those strong allies. You need to have people believe in you just like you believe in them. And it takes a yep. team. It definitely does. And to, to have that safety culture, it still, it starts from the top all the way down to the bottom. And you yep. can see that a lot of times, depending on the site that you step on or the project that you are on, um, those, that, that morale, that, that vibe, that feel like you can automatically feel it for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, we actually, speaking of allies too, uh, somebody that I'd definitely like to give some credit to would be Derek Malone from We The Safe. Um, our company uses him. Yeah, he's a, party, he's a third party inspector for us. And, uh, you know, that's somebody that I will have a lifelong friendship with as well. Uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge. He's a great support system for me. You know, I'll bounce things off of him, you know, anytime. And so allies, support system. And you get to know which ones, you know, are giving you the, the good info that care about you. Like it, it comes down to, yeah, business is business, but it's those real relationships where there's trust, uh, there's confidence in the information that you're getting. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I would like to give a little shout out to him because he's been amazing. And so I'll continue on with the friendship with him forever. So since we're giving shout outs, um, I definitely got to give a shout out to Waleed at We The Same. Yeah, Waleed. Partners with, yeah, yeah, with Derek. Derek, yeah. I don't think I've personally met him. Waleed is just, they're awesome. Like We The Safe, they've definitely, in British Columbia, I'm not sure about other provinces, but they lift people up for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and tools, lots of tools, lots of training, yeah. lots of supplies. You know, it's uh, in the safety world, it's, it's a one-stop shop almost. You can get everything you need there. And they yeah. care. They're good people. Yeah. I'll make, I'll, I'll make sure you meet them. We'll get together. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So kind of wrapping this up here, we've looked at the past. We've uh, talked about the, the, the present, looking at the future. So Stacey, um, what, what do you envision for the future of women in safety? For the future of women in safety? Uh, how do you mean? Like where, where we're going to get to or, or my sort of thoughts on how to get there? Yeah, both, both. So for women in safety, so if there was a woman that was looking to get into it, it, I would say to them, take every opportunity. Don't wait for someone to say, oh, here, go for it. Go after it. Take the initiative, but also read the play because you don't want to be pushy and you know start taking over and bossing people around. But take the opportunities. You know, if you see an idea that you think would be really great, present it, sell it try and move forward with it. You know, that's, that's done a lot for me over the years where, you know, you don't sure you get the framework of what you're asked to do, but you know, you, you have these ideas and plans that could work, put some thought into it, present it. And it's worked out very well for me where, you know, if you're a creative person who likes to build on things, you know, the sky's the limit, you know, there's always opportunities coming up and there's always new people to meet. And even if, even if a course is offered to you and you're like, Oh, I'm not really interested. You don't know who you're going to meet when you take that course. You don't know what experience you're going to have, what tidbit you're going to get out of it that could do something massive for you later down the road, right? So is be open. Don't give up. Have a thick skin. Like we talked about, get those allies and support systems because that's what will encourage you to keep going and just push through. But it, it takes a certain type of person as well, right? Um, and if you're not cut out for it, like, and I've seen that happen. I've seen people that, you know, think this could be an opportunity, they move forward with it, they just don't have the skill set to manage the tricky stuff and succeed through it. So there's a certain type of person that, that is in this position because being honest, and I know I'm sure you'll agree, like safety can be really tough. It can be really tough yeah. because it's you against everybody in a sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard when you feel like you may have a site full of workers, full of people, but you feel so alone. And especially when like, I'm just talking off personal experience, 
being alone in the oil patch, socially isolated, and safety is made out to be the scapegoat. Because you can't blame the super, you can't blame QA, QC guy, you can't blame anybody else. So who are you going to pick on or, you know, who is everything going to go back to is it's safety, unfortunately. Yeah. And then having uh, workers be like, yeah, yeah, you guys are just overhead. We don't need you. We're safe. Really? I don't know. I'm not sure. Not too sure about that. So, So what does it look like when we envision the future? Like what, what are you seeing for, for women in safety in the future of safety? So say we look at like five or 10 years from now, what, what are you hoping Stacy? Well, I'm seeing on the landscape. I would hope that the progression that like we just talked about the progression we've had to this point Mm -hmm. is going to continue and double or more. Right. Where, um, you know, people don't look at the girl coming on the job site as the girl first, right? you know? That, that you have an identity that's outside of your gender that, you know, this, what's this person coming to show us and teach us and, and, you know, instead of just, Oh, you know, the girl, right. That that's happened a lot in the past. And so to have, I guess, you know what, to have respect, more respect sooner to not have to need to earn it just because of what your gender is. And I think that with all the women out there in the workforce uh, it's happening. You know, women actually get credit a lot of times for being better machine operators, having more attention to detail, being more thorough, taking the extra time, Um, because that's, I think, just how we're kind of naturally wired more often than than men are, right? And so I think that people are starting to see that, and I hope that in in the future that it's seen even more, you know, that people are given a chance without having to start 10 steps behind just because you're a girl, No, well said. Thank you very much. Now, I have opened it up to the audience to see if anybody would like to jump on mic and ask you a question. So if anybody feels like they have something, a comment they'd like to make or a question that they'd like to ask us, please raise your hand and we'll bring you on mic. You know, this has been a great conversation. I really love it so far. You know, um, I'd like to, you know, It'd be really great if we could create uh, more of a network of allies. We talk, uh, you hear a lot of people going and talking about imposter syndrome, and it's not unusual. You know, I think a lot of people have that self-doubt, and it would be really great to have more mentoring networks out there so that we can help build each other up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely having the right people in place. Um, I think safety had a question. Mm-hmm. Actually, I thought I see they had a comment in the, the um, chat here. It says, when upper management doesn't buy into safety culture that they hired you for, and your work is compromised by lack of support, how do you effectively do your job so that you feel accomplished? So I know, Stacey, you were talking about your experiences to Vanmar and how they have a good, solid safety culture there. Um, but have you ever had a time or experience where the safety culture was lacking? Yes, absolutely. So what my advice in that type of situation would be, so in the big picture, that's probably not going to be the right company for you. So mm-hmm. what I would do is I would protect yourself right? We all know about keeping a logbook. If you're asked to not take care of something that you should be taking care of, keep a logbook. Obviously, gross negligence, then you might want to escalate things. Um, But what I would do in that situation is, and I hope this comes out okay, but I would use that opportunity as much as they're using me. 
I would take everything I can get from the experience uh, and then I would move forward. So I wouldn't do the knee jerk. I'm out of here. I can't do this. I would set myself up for my next opportunity and I would use that company as much as they were using me. And I, and I say that respectfully. I wouldn't, you know, I don't mean use them damagingly, but take what skills, take what training, take what opportunities I can get. You know, you probably have networked with some people within that company. They might've given you some ideas of what direction you want to go. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're not being valued and respected in your workplace, I wouldn't stay in it. That doesn't mean I'd jump and run and not have a job tomorrow, but I would take the opportunity. I would use it to my advantage to grow myself and I would move forward. Agree. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know this person's name, but safety, does that answer your question? We will wait for a comment back. Yeah, they DM <laughs> me and said no more questions. Ah, okay, perfect. Yeah. You know, there was a situation I went through uh, when I was working out the oil patch that I kind of wanted to share because uh, if I had someone shared it with me, it might have helped me at the time. It was, it was a very valuable lesson that I went through. So I was a field supervisor at the time and I was visiting uh, medics on the rigs. And I visited this, this woman and, uh, you know, she was very in that industry, you know, you get kind of the tomboys and everybody's comfortable and joking around and, you know, dropping the F-bombs and, you know, in the man's world. And, and this woman had told me about her superintendent and how, I can't remember the total context of it because this is going back quite a ways, but how he'd made some inappropriate comments towards her. Mm. Now she was very kind of chill about it and brushed it off like, you know, Oh, you know, he made these comments and, and about her body or something like that. And then she'd said, but she didn't want to make a big deal about it. And, you know, just if, she, if I could keep that confidential. And I took that into my own experience where that's happened a lot to me over the years in different mm -hmm. situations, but I never did report on it because I just managed it myself. I didn't engage or I worked around it or remove myself, whatever you have. So anyway, so she, she told me these things in confidence. Um, and it was just words. There was no touching or anything, you know, crossing those lines. Well, what actually turned out was, I guess, that she was, I guess, jealous of my position. And she took that information and went to upper management and said that she had reported something to me that I didn't move forward with and tried to cause conflict for me in my position because she was upset that I was given the position and not her. We both applied at the same time. Or actually, I was promoted. And so now looking like, so that, that experience right there, everything worked out okay because it was very see-through what was going on with it. But I learned at that point, when I have a worker come to me and confide something in me, I let them know pretty early on that depending on what they tell me, I may have to move forward with it uh, because we kind of can't really keep secrets depending on what, what it's about. You know, if they're, if they're opening up about something that happened with their family because they're having a weak moment, that's, you know, one thing that I could be supportive of. But if it's something that's going on on the job site and it actually is crossing lines, even if they're just blurry, that often needs to, to get transferred further. And so that would be my warning to people out there is that depending on what people tell you, if you're in a management position, it's your obligation sometimes to do something with it and being transparent about it so that nobody's got hurt feelings or thinks that you've, you know, sold them out or not been. And it's worked out well for me where I've had, you know, people talk to me about different things. You know, they've had a conflict here or there with somebody and I'll let them know, like, you know, this needs to be discussed with upper management. Uh, so I just want you to know that in advance. Um, so that, that tough situation I learned a lot from. And so I would just want to remind people that transparency is really important. 
Um, you know, taking notes of things is very important. And sometimes escalating things is required whether you want to or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. I recall um, when I began one of my positions and I had um, asked to up at corporate to to um, apply for another corporate health and safety job. And the our, our corporate health and safety manager came down and he was going to do an interview. Well, the interview was him checking out if I'd go to dinner with him. Right. There was absolutely no no information about the job or anything like that. And when yep. I made it pretty clear that, no, my intent was not to set up a dinner date. My intent was actually career development that that ended my career because he was offended. And yep. then, you know, weird things started to happen about him talking to people and saying things that weren't true. Yeah. And. And my manager at the time asked me, what would you like me to do about it? Well, I was scared. I was not in the headspace to make a decision that was in the best of intentions for the company, first off, because it's company branding and reputation, right? And secondly, for myself, because I was so scared about what might happen. And so right to your point is that if we're going to management to talk about something, it's typically because we need support and we want help. So then you can discuss with them. Here's the different ways that we need to report this, but this is the different ways we can report it. Yep. You know, I can come with you. You can go by yourself, like whatever, and kind of build it out. And another thing that um, another manager did for a friend of mine, which was really helpful, was role playing to helping the other person kind of role play out situations yeah. so that when they're in the, in the situation, it's not just cold. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds like a great tool. I know I've done that for, you know, in advance of job interviews, or if you're going to do, you know, a presentation or a speech uh, that it's almost like that muscle memory thing, where if you get a little bit of exposure to it, it can be a little bit more flowing and kind of give you the confidence to, to feel better about speaking up or moving forward with something. So that's a, that's a cool tactic for sure. Yeah. Well, if anybody in the audience wants to come on mic and share a comment or ask a question, this is your time as the listeners to join us if you're in the Zoom room. So please put your hand up and join us. We'd be excited for that. Emma Deep, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. (laughs) If anybody has any comments, any further questions, experiences you guys want to share, like any anything in the realm of um, women and safety or just anything in general, really. I, guess I have Janice. I have Janice who says that she has a question. Janice, did you want to ask your question or comment? Um, sure. Am I on? Yes, you are. Hi, Janice. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Emma. Um, you know that I've been in construction and safety uh, a long time, and um, one of my biggest challenges is the maverick of the man, the man that feels like you don't belong, you've never trained enough, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, why are you even here? And it takes everything in me to bite my tongue and not spew off to them. Um, I guess I've never really had a filter, uh, a diplomatic filter, 
So I always wonder how other women in safety manage to diplomatically tell the guy basically to, <clears throat> you know, go to hell. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that, but it wasn't allowed. <laughs> I said it. All good. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Because they're tough. They're tough on you. I've had 40 years of watching this crap and um, watching women um, be reduced to uh, nothing. Um, my, um, a lot like Stacy, I'm bold. Um, maybe she's got a better filter than I do, but my filter, um, goes away and I, I kick in and I become a man. Isn't that weird? No, it totally no. makes sense. I mean, you know, even reflecting on my own personal experience. So I was brought up with, um, three brothers. My dad, dad wasn't your stereotypical, cultural man in the sense where he had a difference he always treated us the same and so he always like encouraged and empowered but having said that I still fought my own battles I mean going out into the workforce being alone but just having all his teachings and and him always telling me hey you know what you need to be confident and um he used to always tell me hey you know what like just always be proud right and like raise rise above that and and so just having that as well but yeah sometimes it's hard like it's it's tough being on site or or just being out there and these men with their primitive hierarchical whatever it is their their thought process it's so ingrained in them to try and like suppress women and it, it's just it's so wrong and I think the more allies we have whether it's mm -hmm. male or, or female empower one another and basically like don't put up with people shit just don't yeah. right? I also think too is you know in those situations where all those things are going through your mind that you want to say because I know exactly what you're thinking in those situations I've been there yeah it, it's keeping your professionalism at the time and then letting it out afterwards in a safe place like venting about it's important stuffing it yeah. not good yeah. Controlling it at the time, very important, but getting it out later when it's the right time and space to do so with somebody that you trust, whether it's a friend or someone else professionally that knows this person, knows their background. That seems to help me is when, when someone knows the full scope of the situation. So they're like, yeah, I know what you're dealing with over there. And just kind of getting it out, venting about it when it's over can get that off your back. And then as you work through that, it just, to me, for me, it, it identifies more and more how out of line this person was how, you know, either they're threatened by you or pissed off just because you're a girl and you're telling them what to do. Um, and then that, for me, that frees me from taking it personally, because it's like, you know, that, that's a him problem, not a me problem. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think also, though, we have to take ownership as a community. You know, it so so much of this is a lot of people who are standby, standbyers, um, Bystanders, Bystanders. Yeah, yeah, dyslexic, I mixed my words up, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Is that when will we, we talk about it, but when will we step up and say, hey, you know what, back off, because to let somebody just kind of, you know, have to handle it on their own, we know that doesn't work. Yeah. So I would challenge that we need to start um, stepping up. And if we see something, say something. Yep, 100%. I definitely agree with you. I would not sweep that under the rug. And I think that the best support for that is from the top down. 
yeah. you know, having yeah. that employer that will support you. And that gives a person the power and ability to, to do that, to put those hard lines in place, remove that guy from the job site. Right. It, but it really comes down to what, what the framework is behind you. If you can do that successfully or not. Right. Right. Yeah. And now I also have somebody on LinkedIn who, um, unfortunately, she's not in the Zoom room, so she can't come and speak with us right here. Uh, but we'd love it, it Carla, if you could have. Um, if she wants to know about, you know, the topic of tran transgenders and how can we start educating and being sensitive to that workforce? Anybody have any um, thoughts to share on that? I can actually share. Um, so we're, we've been talking a lot about trans people. So I'm with the um, BC trades women society and one of their director directors at large. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and I, I want to say that I'm educated and versed in it, but not as, as much as I can be. Um, but having said that there's a lot of resources so BC WIT, B-C-W-I-T-T, -T, so British Columbia Women in Trades, and I don't know what the other T is for, but they have a lot of uh, resources, they have a platform, they have training in place. Um, another organization that's coming out with um, a lot of like diversity, inclusivity, um, training around equality and gender equality is uh the bc feds as well so they're, mm -hmm. they're coming out with but like I've, I've never really seen it a lot before but it, it's it's coming out there so with with trans as well there's definitely like platforms out there there's resources there's supports in place um and everything basically to to do with that yeah yeah and i think it's also moving forward and putting our money where our mouth is you know, when yeah. hiring people of diversity in health and safety, it's still a male dominated field. And yeah. then on top of that, when there are females, it's highly white female dominated. Yeah, right. So, so putting our money where our mouth is and, and looking for individuals who are who are not looking like myself in order to take on those roles. Like I remember once I was giving a reference to somebody and somebody called me, right, because it was an immigrant to Canada. And yeah. it was another immigrant who was speaking to me saying, well, do you think that he could do the job? And I, I was like, you know, I don't mean to be insensitive, but I hear that you also have an accent. Are, are, were you, are you from Canada, you know, also born here or, or somewhere else? He's like, oh, no, I come from so, 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 you know, I was like, oh, okay. I said, so it, I guess it'd be much like your experience when you first came yeah. to Canada and needing that Canadian experience, right? Like everybody wants it, but nobody can give it. But I'm telling you, this is a phenomenal health and safety professional. So if you're willing to be open to take the risk and give this person his Canadian opportunity and experience, and the person is like, yeah, okay, thank you. You kind of helped me answer my own question, right? And so sometimes we're, we're not even seeing our own cognitive biases, Right. But I think we have to have open, honest conversations with one another so that we're starting to identify these and then changing, changing who we're also um, putting in the talent pool. Like yeah, even yeah. as health and safety leadership, looking in your organization and and nurturing out individuals who have an interest in health and safety who may not be from your own background would be another step. That's a great takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, for I, me, I think that it would be like the right person for the job. And so not so much focusing on the gender or the race, but the right fit, the right personality, right? Taking those labels away completely is kind of what I would prefer to see because I don't want to get the job because I'm a female and they need a female on the job. I want to get the job because they're like, this chick kicks ass and she's going to work hard for us. See, and that's really great for us to say, but we're kind of, we're, we are part of the privileged individuals, right? And the fact is, Stacy, that we've tried that and it's not working. We're still getting a lot of the same demographic into the, the roles. Oh. So then the question is, how do we do it? If we don't have some sort of, uh, like, how do we break it open then? How do we start breaking it open so we see a difference in the landscape? Because I inter—I interview a lot of people, uh, to be quite upfront with you, over the last 10 years. And when I'm looking at it, it's largely white people that come to the table for interviews. I help host a lot of conferences. And a predominant amount of speakers for those conferences are, again, the same demographic. So it's not that I disagree with the ideology of what you're saying. My struggle is, is that it's not making a difference. We're not so now, getting that moving that needle. And so maybe we need to expand our reach into communities that we don't normally go into, right? So is it because those are the people that are putting their resumes forward and coming after the job? Like, or, or you know, you're saying no, because those are the people who are in my own network of circle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't have. I have very few individuals who are um, a black people in my circle as a white person. I'll say that honestly. And I have cognitively tried to make that a thing that I try to do. But what right, reason to expand that? What reason is behind that? Because it's not that they're not welcome. Is it? No, that, it's not. That, so are they not coming forward regardless I don't, of race or gender? I don't I think, know. I, I think it's hard to come by, like just in general as well. Like even when I go outside BC, when I was out in Fort McMurray as well, it was hard to find other people that were in health and safety that were of a visible minority or part of the BIPOC community. Um, yeah. One of my work friends, actually, Mohammed, he started the Black Canadian Occupational health and safety um, society or association. And uh, if anybody wants, you guys can message me on LinkedIn after I will get you in touch with him. But it wasn't until he invited me to one of his meetings that I really opened up my eyes and I figured out there there's a lot more black Canadians in health and safety than who I had originally met. And so he mm -hmm. actually introduced me to his network. So in my mind, I, I had, or in my experience, I had only met him, but yeah. then he opened my world to, to a whole lot of other people. But I mean, I don't know. I think you just need to put yourself out there when, when it yeah. comes to, to things like that. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah and that, and my, experience, me, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, and, and my experience is similar when I, when I started working with Crystal Turner, and and Tiffany and different different women of color is that yeah. that opened me up into that community, right? But it was about making the effort to connect into the community, and then them connecting back into me, right? And so I think we have to do it with some intention at the beginning, 
so that we're finding those individuals who have the talent and that knowledge and background, right? So then they can get into the opportunity pool. And then once the opportunity pool is filled with people of different backgrounds, then that's a whole different place that we're moved. And, and, and for me, that would be the future of health and safety is that we don't that. have to have a discussion about the safety because there's so many different people in there by pot. Also, like I was talking to one individual at safety connect bill, and he was really afraid at first about coming out and talking about being a gay man in health and safety because he yeah. felt it was not accepted. Right. So if people are fearful that's another barrier, right? Like who's to say that individuals of different backgrounds may not be fearful of working with other people who are from a Caucasian background. There could yep. be that element too, right? Yeah. And I've seen it on construction sites where like people, men are, um, they're almost encouraged to be very like manly and very masculine and, and all that time, there may be like a lot of mental health or a lot of things yeah. going on in the background that you, you don't know about, right? So um, just being mindful of the I time. Know. I love, love this conversation. I love where it's going. We need a part two for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're coming back for the panel. So that'll be great. Yeah. Um, yeah just to wrap it up, um, Stacey, what is the last thought you'd like to leave the audience with? Oh, last thought. Um, Keep going, keep working, work for what you want. Uh, take the opportunities, take it on the chin, don't give up, um, stay focused. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, Thanks thank for having you. me. Thank you so much, Stacey, for joining us on our Women in Safety live show. This is incredible. Uh, we have one more um, episode to do, and then we have everybody come back as a panel. Right, yeah. Amadeep? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that'll be great. And I'd like to thank Salas, our customer, for putting this on with us. And Amadeep, you have your own podcast show. So we're going to put that in the episode page so people can thank get you. to that. Yes. yes. So yeah, this is absolutely. incredible. Yeah. This is great. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you to the audience, LinkedIn, on Zoom Live. Stacey, thank you again, once again. Yeah. Tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye, everyone. Thanks.